Welcome to the Love Simply, Simply Love Conversations with Christy podcast. In each of these podcasts, I, Christy, will be chatting with people who are world travelers, engaged in development work all over the globe, or simply some interesting people that I've met along the way. I hope you all learn something from these conversations, but more importantly, I hope you remember to love simply and simply love those around you. Let's begin today. So this is my second podcast, and I'm here just outside of Atlanta with one of my friends from the Parkway Baptist Church, Kaylee Samp. How are you doing, Kaylee? Good. How are you? Good. And um, over the last, um, well, just about every place I go, people start asking me questions about how did I get involved in this and what do I think about the places that I've been. And so Kaylee's offered today to be my interviewer and to ask me some of these questions. So um, what would you like to know? Well, um, first, I'd like to know, how old were you when you decided you wanted to be a missionary or a nurse or a mixture of the two? Okay, so those are basically two completely different answers. So I think I knew I wanted to go into healthcare since I was uh, as far back as I can remember. I've never wanted to do anything else. So even as a little kid, I was always fascinated with the body. I was fascinated with how things worked, how even like developing a scab and how things healed and like silly things like that. And so um, I was always really fascinated with healthcare and knew that I was going to have a career in that. Um, I all, for a long time, I thought I was going to be a doctor and, um, and that just simply didn't work out. It wasn't in God's plan. And um, so started in nursing school in my mid twenties after I already had a pre-med degree. So I had to go back and do um, uh, all the nursing uh, requirements then after that, and then eventually as a nurse practitioner. But as far as missions, it was something I never wanted to do. In fact, um, I don't remember having ever met many missionaries, maybe one or two in my home church. Um, and I thought they were had really boring slide presentations <laughs> and didn't really care much about missions. And I met a volunteer missionary in college at Judson University, and then um, saw what he was doing in Haiti. And I thought, well, that's really great work. I'm glad he's doing it, but not for me. I remember walking out of the building with my one of my good friends, and um, and I said to him, you know what, that's that's awesome, but that's just not for me. And about a year later, I had the opportunity to go and work in Haiti. And um, uh, uh, when I was getting off the small little plane, um, I basically heard God say to me, you've come home. And so my life completely changed at that point. That was um, in when I was 21 years old. So, yeah. Cool. How, how is your method of missions different than what some people will think of when they think of like missions? Mm -hmm. Well, probably, especially as a healthcare missionary, most people's idea of a healthcare missionary is working either in a hospital or a clinic or doing even remote clinics. And for a long time, that was what I did. I worked three years in a hospital in Haiti, and then I did 12 years working with mobile medical clinics in the Dominican Republic. So I was what people would consider your typical medical missionary, living overseas and working overseas. Um, since I took this position as global consultant for health with international ministries, though, um, my focus has been more on empowering the local communities where I'm at. And it's a model that's called assets-based community development, ABCD. Mm -hmm. And um, it really is 
going into a community and trying to see what resources exist there, whether those resources are people or skills or the potential for skills and, and re people resources. And then maybe other types of resources, access to local pharmacies or clinics or hospitals or something like that. But you go into those communities looking for what is good mm -hmm. and what can be used to resolve issues that they face instead of going into a community and looking at everything that is wrong. And that's called needs-based. So needs-based goes in and says, oh, they, they have a need for a hospital. They have a need for vitamins for because of vitamin deficiency yeah. or malnutrition. Or they have a need, they have a need. And all, your mind sees all the things that are wrong with communities. Mm -hmm. And the disadvantage of working under that model, which is called needs-based, is that you, you rarely see the potential of communities. You only mm -hmm. see what you can do to help them yes. as opposed to what they themselves can do to, to work within their own community, okay. own the problem and the solution as well. The changes in your own experience in the mission fields, you worked w at like hospitals mm -hmm. and now you work more with communities and with individual people. Yeah, I still do some work within hospitals, but it's more to do kind of an evaluation or an encouragement of local leaders and local staff that what they're doing. Um, so I, I do have access to um, hospitals and I, on occasion as a nurse practitioner, I can still do mobile medical clinics yeah. or when there's like a, an outbreak of something they can call me in to help with that. But the majority of my work, yeah, now is, um, working with community leaders to help develop their skill sets. Okay. Um, once you actually became a missionary, where was one of the first places you went and why? Well, the first place I went and the only place I went until I was into my late 20s was um, the, was Haiti. So I was working with the Good Samaritan Hospital in Limbe, Haiti. Um, it used to be an American Baptist hospital, which is the mission that I work with. But um, yeah, I started... Uh, going there only because it was the only place I knew where medical missionaries worked. I mean, it was my only context was, uh, was Limbe, Haiti. And it was a hospital that saw about 500 outpatients a day and with about five, anywhere from five to seven staff members or, uh, practitioners. So between the nurses, nurses and doctors, we all, some days, my, I think my heaviest day, I saw just over a hundred patients in one day. Wow. Yeah. So it was a crazy busy place to work. Um, but I learned a lot. Um, I think that's where I began to get this idea of looking at um, local capacity and um, and also listening. I think that's been the greatest um, uh, resource for me is just being able to listen to people and hear what they want to do. Right. Where in the world have you one, not been, and two, you would want to go? Where have I not been? Yeah. Lots of places <laughs> I haven't been, yeah. Um, I think... Um, well, I got to go to one of those places this year. I went to Australia. And so in my first podcast, you heard about Brisbane, Australia, and some folks that I met there. So I think some of the Pacific islands, um, I know, have great needs as well. And I've never been there. Um, there's lots of parts of Asia I've not yet been. Uh, Eastern Europe. Um, I've only been, I've been to Hungary, Bulgaria, um, and Greece. But uh, a lot of that, like Greece was sort of a small like side trip from my visit to those other places for yeah. work. Um, but I think there's quite a bit of work that could be done in those areas. So I would say Eastern Europe and um, maybe the Pacific Islands yeah. um, that I think 
um, we could develop some partnerships there. So one of the things with our mission is that we only go to places where we've been invited. So mm-hmm. if we don't have a relationship already on the ground someplace, yes. then we won't get the invitation. So that, that's part of it. Makes sense. Yeah. And was the second half of that question, where have I liked the most that I've been? Or no? Well, it was, why would... Oh, and why would yeah. I want to? Okay. Yeah. But you, I wouldn't mind knowing what... Like, My what favorite? One of your favorite... Well, you know, I tell people all the time, I don't have a one particular favorite place because most of the places that I go, my, the reason I like them is because of the people that I meet. Yes. Right. And so the people are what draw me. Now I will say that that's gradually changing them. I've been to Lebanon a couple of times and, um, it's partly the food that draws me back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love, love, love the food there. Mediterranean food. It's just, it's phenomenal. Um, and, and I think there too, I see more work with, um, local leadership doing so much of what in the past, the model has been outsiders doing. And so it's been really fun to get to know what, what work is being done there. Other than that, um, one of my favorite, favorite places to go, uh, simply because of the people that I know, um, is our, would be Cochabamba, Bolivia and working with the house of hope. Um, that's one of the ministries that, um, our church Parkway Baptist has taken on and we take a trip every year. We're preparing for this next one in June. And, um, so I really enjoy that. Um, I, I love still being able to speak Spanish and even though they tell me my Spanish is sing-songy because (laughs) I learned it in the Dominican Republic. Um, but yeah, there's really very few places that I've been that I would say I don't want to go back to. Yeah. Um, and you talked about how you really like the food in Lebanon. So mm-hmm. Is that like your favorite food that you've ever eaten? So it's pretty close. I mean, there are some things from the Dominican Republic that I just love, like something called mangu, which is uh, garlic mm-hmm. and mashed plantains and <laughs> butter, and it's just yummy. Ooh. Besides mangu, what I also liked, uh, one of the, my other favorite foods that I learned to love in the Dominican Republic and also in Haiti would be um, the fried plantains. So green plantains, not the sweet ones, are my favorite. They call them tostones. Mm. And um, oh my gosh, uh, a good <laughs> piece of fried chicken and some tostones used to be one of my favorite uh, fast good. food meals <laughs> to, to get when I was in the Dominican Republic. But um, other than that, I would say the Lebanese food is, is pretty high up there as far as my favorites. Interesting. Um, so what advice would you give to someone who like hasn't decided what they want to do with their life or like is thinking about going into missions or um, medical? Mm-hmm. What would you, what advice? I guess the first thing I would say is try lots of things and figure out what you, what really gives you joy. Like, so what mm-hmm. fills your heart? What makes you really happy to get up and go to work every day because certainly my work's not been easy in the past. Right. And there's been some, you know, whether it was the Haiti earthquake or working with Ebola and you know, any of those things are a lot, are really stressful and take a lot of time. But if you really love what you do, it doesn't matter how hard it is. If you really feel like one, that it's a calling for you, which I feel like for me, but, um, yeah, I think just take opportunities to go and see the world or try new things. Do I did some internships when I was in high school. Um, so when I was thinking of medical career, I actually went and worked with a veterinarian for a short time. And I realized I could not do that. I'm such an animal <laughs> lover. Like some of the things that have to be done, I w- it breaks my heart. So and then you, you kind of laugh at that because now I do pediatrics. And yeah. so I have these babies that are also suffering. But for me, for whatever reason, it was... Um, 
it broke my heart to, to do some of the things that vets have to do, um, whether it was putting a dog down or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, um, but I realized with kids as heartbreaking as it was when they were sick, I was doing something to make it better. And so, um, yeah, I didn't realize, yeah, I didn't realize I liked pediatrics until I was forced to work in the pediatric department. In fact, I thought I wanted to do orthopedic surgery or, you know, be in the the operating room. And um, it wasn't until they made me go work in the pediatric department (laughs) because forced uh, for a month that I realized, wow, this is amazing. And this is really where my heart is. So I think people that don't know, they need to try lots of different things, things that they're good at and things also that maybe they've never done before to see if potentially it's that makes them really happy to do it. What if like... I asked about missions, if they want to do missions, but they're still too young to go on mission trips and stuff. Like you, maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think doing things locally, right? So yeah. there, and, and I recognize that there are limited opportunities for yes. young people, um, unless you're with a parent, oftentimes. Um, or in a group. Or in a group, right. But I think there are opportunities. And, you know, talking to your pastor at your church, if that's something you um, are interested in to, to find out what they may know about or talking to somebody like myself. And, yeah. you know, I've been able to help um, our church kind of look in a different direction for missions and yes. doing really assets-based type projects. So I think um, uh, doing that, uh, when I was a little kid, when I was in grade school, we had a um, nursing home that was just mm-hmm. up the street from my house. Yeah. And I used to go, I got permission, and I'm not sure you could do this anymore, but this is a long time ago. I would go up to the nursing home and visit people yeah. and I would just go in and say hi and they'd give me their old candy, <laughs> you know? but it was just, I, I recognized that in doing that, I was bringing joy to other people. Yes. You know, most people in a nursing home would love to have kids come. Yes. And so just taking that ch- the opportunity to just go and listen to stories and meet people and say hello. Um, it was really, I didn't realize, but it was sort of probably, prepping me for doing some of the work that I do these days and um, just listening, listening and learning from people. There's a lot of knowledge um, that people have and, and we just, we need to kind of forget our own knowledge for a bit and listen and absorb what other people have. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, When you go to other countries and things, they ask you to do things. Is there anything you've ever decided you didn't want to do then and that you later regretted not doing? regretted not doing or that I went ahead and did it? Not doing. Well, you can answer both. Okay. Um, I think probably the only thing that somebody's asked me to do that I wasn't fully comfortable with was to continue doing a lot of these mobile medical clinics that are more needs-based. So let me explain myself a little bit about like the needs-based clinics and mobile medical clinics. I recognize that they're, they are needed in lots of places and there are still Mm -hmm. a lot of it of those types of clinics going, but the model of clinic where outsiders bring all of the tools, all of the people, all of the medicines, all of the supplies, and they don't even consider that the community there might be able to participate in their own care. Right. And so whether it's supporting a local pharmacy and purchasing medicines that are in the language that the patients are going to use and that they Mm -hmm. recognize. So if they happen to need to go back for a further prescription, they can take the empty box and say, this is what I need more of, right? Yes. And this worked really well. Or when they go to their own physicians, maybe, um, they can take the medicine in their local language because it was bought in their local pharmacies. And then you're also supporting that community. Um, so I think a model that doesn't recognize the need of the community to actually be a partner 
in mm-hmm. the work and in fact in my opinion lead the work and you yeah. partner with them yeah um sometimes i've been asked to do uh clinics in in a style that is very needs based yeah. and um and that's really really uncomfortable to me um so i have done it um mostly because i didn't want to say no to somebody and disappoint them and, yeah. which is an own personal problem here but um also because I recognized that the people I was working with didn't even understand a different model yeah. and the time it would take for them to understand that and implement it, mm-hmm. we didn't have. So, um, were there things that I was asked to do that I didn't do yes. that I regretted later? Yes. I don't think so. I say yes to just about everything. <laughs> so, um, I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I, um, yeah. I had I did have some opportunities in um, the Dominican Republic to work more with an HIV clinic mm-hmm. that I think would have been really good for me if I'd gotten more experience with that. Um, and so I, I, I think I should have said yes and made that a priority um, mm-hmm. just simply because there were phenomenal people working there. Yeah. But also it was a uh, it would give me um, an understanding of patients with HIV and um, and how the community served or not served their needs. Yeah. That's about the only thing I can think of. Okay. Um, going back to another question that you answered, that, but we didn't really talk about much. Can you tell us a little bit about your first trip to Haiti? Yeah. So I was 21. And um, so now you're going to know how old I am. Uh, it was 1991. <laughs> and I um, had talked to this hospital, the Good Samaritan Hospital in Limbe, mm-hmm. and asked them if I could come with a couple other students from Judson University. I was graduating early, so uh, it was the fall. And um, and so they said, sure. But at that point, they didn't have telephones. Um, they didn't have internet, so no computers, uh-huh. so no emails. And so all we did was snail mail. So I would write a letter. It would yeah. go to their mail carrier that would come in twice a week. And then they would get the letter and write a response and send it back. So it was like two weeks between communications. It happened to also be at a time when Haiti was under some really difficult political turmoil. Mm -hmm. In fact, they had a coup in October of 91. And I was scheduled to be there in December of 91. (laughs) So all the other students who were supposed to go with me dropped out. Yeah. And uh, but I kept asking them, I said, is this a safe place for me to go? Can I go? And they said, absolutely. Come on. It's not a problem. I learned years later that it was quite a problem (laughs) and it was very dangerous for me. Um, But so what happened is we, I got on this little like four or five seater plane and um, uh, the, the flight attendant was a cooler set between our two seats. (laughs) And um, we stopped about halfway in Turks and Caicos islands, I think to grab breakfast. Mm -hmm. And then um, we had to clear the runway that we were landing in, in Northern Haiti um, by flying over the runway a couple times to get the cows and goats and people (laughs) on bicycles off the runway. And then um, we landed. And I remember getting off the plane and there was this, what I call the smell of Haiti. It was the heat and the humidity and the um, the smell of burning garbage and sugarcane and all of these other scents. And we were right on the ocean and it was all of that just kind of hitting me full in the face as I stepped off the plane. And at that very moment I looked up and there was a chain link fence around the airport and there were hundreds of people standing at the chain link fence to see who was going to get off that plane. And in that moment, God said, you've come home. Wow. So, um, final question that I have for you today is, Mm -hmm. 
Um, if you could share a final thought with the world, what would it be? Um, I guess probably the, there'd be one of two things. And the first would be, um, that the whole model of missions around the world mm -hmm. really needs to develop differently. Yeah. Um, this needs-based model is um, easier mm -hmm. because you don't have to be in relationship. You don't have to listen to other people. You make all the decisions and you yeah. just go and do it. And I think that is just not honoring the gifts that God's given each of us. And sometimes it's just not very helpful. It's not. Right. Yeah. Our intent is to help, but yeah. we're not actually helping anybody. Um, we feel good about it because we can say, oh, built that, saw these many people, you know, check, 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 check all your boxes. Yeah. And you bring pictures back, your name is put on things, and you just feel like um, you've done something well. And unfortunately, that's not helpful to the communities that you're serving other than, except in kind of extreme situations where you're in an Ebola outbreak or you're... Um, you know, uh, there's a hurricane or an earthquake and they just actually need people on the ground to come in because local infrastructure has been destroyed. So in outside of those cases, I would say I wish people would recognize that their intent is not matching the outcome. Yeah. And um, it is not about just feeling good when you go and do something. Yeah. It's not about getting your name on something. It's not about checking the boxes. It's actually about revealing and empowering the gifts that God has given people. So that would be the first thing I would, I would want people to really recognize. The second would be that, um, all of us complicate, um, I think what Jesus has asked us to do in the world, mm -hmm. which is love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. And we make it so much more complicated and we end up, um, uh, putting all these uh, conditions on whether or not we're going to love somebody or whether or not we are going to accept them, whether or not we're going to honor them. And those are our conditions. Yeah. Those aren't God's conditions. It yeah. wasn't, wasn't what Jesus said and it wasn't what Jesus did. And so um, I feel like I wish people would um, recognize that more and return to a more simple way of ministry is you just love people. Everything you say and do should reflect that love. Yes. And if it's not, then we're not actually doing what Jesus has asked us to do. Right. So that's all I've got for you. So. Well, perfect. Well, I want to thank everybody who's listening to this podcast that we recorded just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and to remember to love simply and simply love. It really will change the world.